0: Here we go. My name's Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 445. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding? And always remember our motto, which is the the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. It's just Kathy and I, for the first time in like a month. Yes. Do you like that applause, sweetie? I do. Just a little loud in the old um, ears. And it wasn't by design. We've had a lot of interviews lately. And typically... And we have we, another one tomorrow. And we have a, we're doing another one tomorrow, but it won't show up for a little bit. Maybe we'll put it up on Friday. We'll see. But we usually do interviews uh, and we save it for Friday shows. And um, these were so powerful. The last couple. The last did. couple were like, let's just use it as our Tuesday show. Now... For those of you guys who like when we interview people, you're welcome. For those of you guys who like just Kathy and Todd, um, sorry about that, but we just thought it it just felt right to us.
1: Well, and again, we say this all the time, but we rarely... It sounds funny to say right now after doing like five interviews in a row, but we rarely do interviews. Majority of those interviews we lined up six months ago. Um, you know, like, oh, you're coming into yeah, Chicago. Yeah, they all
0: clustered together. They all clustered
1: together because it's summer and we actually have the time and the space to do that. So, But today it's us.
0: So just real quick, um, so last Tuesday was Jason Gaddis and his wife, uh-huh, Ellen. Ellen, Bader. Bader, thank you. And then the Tuesday before that, we talked to Debbie Reber. Uh-huh. Really we good. We also had Josh. And then before that, we had Josh. And then before that, we talked about emotional labor. So. It's, and then tomorrow, we have Kara from Threads. And it's been a month since it was just been you and I, so huh? it does feel weird. Cool. So anyways. Um, so much has happened. And we usually do our shows in the morning. But because we have a crazy day tomorrow, we're doing it in the evening. Mm-hmm. And our hopefully our uh, energy is as high as it's ever been. I feel good. I just I ate too much pizza. And, um, what I, pizza? The pizza from the leftovers.
1: Oh, you really did eat the leftovers. Yes. Well, I'm impressed.
0: It was good. Was it? Um, but then I wanted to go swimming. Right. And I forgot my goggles were in your car. Oh, bummer. So then I decided to put up the ballet bar for Skylar. Good. Because I had... Do you ever have this streak of um, of non productivity for like a weekend? It was a good weekend. We we went on vacation together, and I didn't get a lot of work done. Did you? Yes. Did you? Well, I didn't I um it's the difference between work
1: productivity and life productivity. I feel very full.
0: I know, but I'm talking about work.
1: I know, but yeah, no.
0: Okay. So so but, we just walk down this road with Okay, because uh,
1: but before I walked down this road, this whole week was supposed to be vacation. So I know. we weren't supposed to get anything done.
0: I didn't say we were. Okay. Okay. But when at, when when we're done with that, uh-huh. we just got home because we are out in Galena, Illinois. When we just got home, I felt like, Oh, I gotta I gotta like lean back into my normal daily life. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to go swimming and I couldn't because I didn't have the goggles. So then I'm like, I got to do something productive. So I put up the ballet bar. Yeah. A real good contractor would have done it in about five minutes. Took me an hour.
1: But you got it done. It looks really good. Thanks, sweetie. And I went to the grocery store and um, I, uh, there was something else I was going to say about coming back into our routine um, I don't know. Life. I well, And the thing is, is I, I kind of feel like because of the phones, are we really ever away from work? Like I commented on the team's Zen page. I answered all my email. It's not like we disappeared into the, you know,
0: and we're going to talk about teams Zen a little bit, but first let's tell the listeners what we're going to talk about. So today. we're
1: going to talk about hope today. We're going to talk about goodness and hope. And what I was telling Todd on the way home, he said, what do you want to talk about? And I was like, you know, I always love to give. A different perspective on what certain words mean. Mm-hmm. And I think we've talked about hope before, but sometimes we get kind of a cheesy version or a really surfacey version of what hope means. And I think that what we can offer today and discuss is a little more in depth, maybe give you a little more of a grounding when you're talking about hope. Because in the last couple of weeks, you know, that we haven't been doing just shows between you and I, I think a lot of things have happened um, that obviously there's been some good things. Um, I like to focus on what's been good. What
0: you focus um, on grows, sweetie. That's
1: right. But there's also always such challenging news. I mean, it's it's such a broken record to say that. And I, But I refuse to get used to it. You mm-hmm. know, when people are like, I'm just used to it. I'm not. I, yeah. I still struggle with it and um, I don't ever want to get used to it because I don't want to be apathetic and I don't want to be indifferent. Um, I also don't want to be stressed out, but I'm trying to find that middle place. So I try and look at everything that, that I'm struggling with personally you know, take the news out of it. What I'm struggling with personally, or if you add the news in too, um, how to look at it differently. And I think hope is one of those ways.
0: I was going to play my, uh, Shawshank Redemption, uh, line, but I can't find it. I had it in my jingle palette and it, it it went missing. Really? In the words of Jerry Lundegaard from Fargo, it went missing. It went missing. The car.
1: Yeah. It just went missing. You want
0: to play games here? I'm working with you on this one here
1: sound just like him. Jerry
0: Lundegaard, one of the best movie characters of all time.
1: I know. Uh, JC was just telling me she loves Francis McDormand, and I was like, have you seen Fargo? She's like, no. I'm like, well, then you haven't seen like her best role ever.
0: Yes. Margie.
1: Margie. M- Mar- Margie. Margie Olmstead. Olmstead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mike Anagita. Mike Anagita. You ready?
0: Yeah, I was going to play some Fargo clips, but I can't get them.
1: Okay. So do you want me to just launch into this? Or you know what? Before I launch... Well, no. Let's bring in Hannah in the middle of this. Who's Hannah? Um, Hannah, uh, she's a- Gadsby. Yep. Hannah Gadsby is a um, comedian who did a stand-up routine. I don't know when she filmed it. But it's been—it's on Netflix. It was just released a couple of weeks ago, and it's created quite the stir because it's absolutely excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, and Todd and I watched it, and we have a lot of comments about it.
0: Yeah, we get a lot of listeners that say, "Oh, you should listen to this." And w- first of all, thank you. Mm-hmm. Keep sending us that. Um, you should watch that this, information. Yeah. But every now and again, like four or five different people who are disconnected say the same thing yeah so that's when we're like kind of have to stop what we're doing because if four or five people thought of us when watching this we're like this must be really good yeah so we did and it is special i will tell you um I think you should watch it because it's pretty amazing but mm-hmm. I will i didn't know what the deal was other than the fact that listeners said we should watch this mm-hmm. but the first 20 minutes I was like okay it's a stand-up lady and I don't think she's extraordinarily funny but I guess there's some message towards the end well there's a message towards the end
1: yeah yeah
0: it turns from stand up to uh what do you say what was that because um, she wasn't I, telling jokes she was pouring her heart out I
1: think it was a very vulnerable and empowering yeah. speech I think it was a more than a reflection on society I think it was a reflection of her own life and a really honest interpretation of what she experiences and many of us can relate mm-hmm. um and so but let's do that in the middle. Let's play that clip in the middle because oh, okay. I kind of want to set this up first. Oh, okay. So because it, it connects to what we're talking about. So we're talking about hope because I actually found what she had to say very hopeful. Yeah. Um, but what I found is I don't know if any of you guys know Parker Palmer. Um, he's an author that I love, writer that I love, and he's kind of a quiet guy like he's not, you know he's not out there marketing like crazy like a lot of people but he is actually offering a uh, a course that i saw today on facebook and i was reading about his course and it's called the growing edge mm-hmm. and i was like what does that mean the right. growing edge and he goes on to explain that basically you know well, I'll just read his words rather than trying to interpret them. Um, life forever invites us to grow into new challenges, new adventures, new opportunities to learn and to serve. What's your growing edge? Maybe it's a quest for meaning or purpose or a vocation where your deep gladness meets the world's deep need. I love that. I love the word gladness. Or for ways to join others in working for the common good, whatever it may be. Um, you know, he's saying that you're invited to join him for this um, class that he's doing, but he got the language of the growing edge from a a Howard Thurman quote. Howard Thurman is an author, educator, civil rights leader. And the, the actual quote that Howard Thurman said Um, was all around us life is dying and life is being born the fruit ripens on the tree the roots are silently at work in the darkness of the earth against a time when there shall be new leaves fresh blossoms green fruit such is the growing edge this is the basis of hope in moments of despair the incentive to carry on when times are out of joint and dreams whiten into ash the birth of the child life's most dramatic answer to death this is the growing edge incarnate. Look well to the growing edge. Mm. And I really kind of feel like, you know, that's kind of whenever there's really dark times in your life or I think that we're seeing a lot of dark times in our country um, and we're, we we want to go despair. Yeah. You know, we want to go, oh, this is just horrible and let's just all just give up. I think what the growing edge is, is saying... No, I'm gonna I'm gonna move toward this and I'm gonna figure out a way to help. Or I'm gonna move toward this and see this as a rebirth. Mm. That something is dying and something new is gonna grow. Um, you know, Todd and I have talked on the show. We actually did a show right after the election, like the day after the election, um called The Grass Grows Through. Mm. Um That
0: must have been a good one. <laughs> I don't remember what we talked about.
1: Well, we talked about that sometimes when things look like dark or that we are disappointed mm-hmm. in an outcome that, that the grass grows through. Like even when we feel like everything is cemented off and closed oh, up yeah, that yeah. the, that, you know, the grass and, and it's interesting because even our daughter, we were in the, the backyard last weekend and our youngest daughter noticed this in our driveway, she said, you guys come over here. I want to show you something. She was like, look at the blacktop and, and the bricks. And then look at how the roses and the weeds are growing through here anyway. Mm. And we're like, exactly. That's what life does. Even when we think everything is dark and and it's gone, it really is just a new life is being born and it's going to find a new way to come through.
0: I think of Wayne, remember Wayne Dyer had a, a quote and he probably didn't, write it. He probably got it from somebody else. I don't know. But it said, nature always bats last. Yes. What does that mean to you?
1: Well, that nature wins in the end. I think it's synonymous with love wins. I think that we, you know, there's a great Gandhi quote about that if you really look at history, and I'm paraphrasing his quote, but he's like, if you look look through history at all the dictators and, you know, the the people who have... Mussolini's, Hitler's, all that stuff. Who have risen up and have come into power and they've done horrible things. You can't deny that there has been harm done. I'm not saying no harm was done. What I'm saying is that eventually Mm -hmm. love wins, Mm -hmm. even if you have to take the long view. And so we know that's really the truth. So I I
0: remember the Wayne thing is he he said, pretend you can cover the entire earth with concrete, like every bit of land. Forget about the oceans for a second. Cover it all with concrete. After a certain amount of time, whether or not humans are there or not, the grass, the, the weeds will pop up out of that concrete because of the sun and then just the the um, it's kind of like in um, the dinosaur movie, dinosaur movie, dinosaur movie. What is it? Which one? Ice Age? No, the big one. Uh, oh, Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park. He, uh, Jeff Goldblum's character says life will find a way.
1: Yes. You know what I mean? Yes, it will. And that's why we don't want to mess with too much Crazy life, like you know, like bringing dinosaurs back.
0: Yeah, because in in Jurassic, um, somehow the females figured out figured out how to procreate, or the males, one or the other, one of them did, and they did figure that out. It's crazy.
1: Yes, and that's the thing is, like, and again, that's like a made up story. No, but
0: you can get less, you could derive lessons from this stuff.
1: I know, and and the thing is, is that I look at that. You know, we talk about um, Jurassic Park, but I. I look at the idea of love wins and nature bats last as being very optimistic. Mm-hmm. Like and I actually um what that made me think of is there is a quote that we have in our bathroom. I may have mentioned this on the show before, but I have this great picture of the of our three daughters from years ago because they look really little.
0: I yeah, don't like know. Skylar's there's two. Yeah, Cameron's five and JC seven. Or something. And
1: they're basically running, so it's just the back of them. Mm-hmm. And then there's a yeah, Zen, you can't see
0: their faces. And
1: there's a Zen proverb that I had put on top of the photo. It's very big, and it says, "Sitting quietly doing nothing, spring comes and the grass grows by itself." And what does that mean? To me, it me, it was a parenting thing where I realized that my girls are going to grow up and they're going to become who they are with or without me. Like I can fight against things or I can say you have to be this way or, you know, but the, the truth is that life will continue. yeah. And that, in again, you have to remember that Zen, one of the pieces of Zen, because... Um, is always paradoxical. Like when you talk about Zen Buddhism, that's why Todd and I love it. Is because it it's about recognizing the paradox. It's it, there is no simplicity. You're supposed to be somewhat confused. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to see that both sides are true, yin and yang. You know, you're supposed to understand that, or you know, embrace it. Understand is a strong word, but again, sitting quietly, doing nothing. Spring comes and the grass goes by, grows by itself. And it was just a reminder to me that my girls are. They, they have what they need mm. and that I just get the opportunity to support them and love them and care for
0: them and to be, be present guide. To be them. their guidepost. They're, exactly. To kind of maybe not tell them how to do it but maybe show them a way and that can mean a bunch of different things. That can mean how you live your life. Um, you know, that's showing them the way or how um, we um, sometimes do guide them and do, do deliberate teaching which yes. is something you and I have kind of been doing a little bit more of lately. Yes. As far as um you know just sharing lessons with them one thing that you and i've realized is like you know we're we're trying our best to role model to how to be a good human being but um maybe it's been at the expense of not you know having an occasion where where we as a family sit down together and do yeah. some some teaching so we've kind of like moved in that direction and then you know so anyways
1: well um i it's we we realized that that again our girls hear us they come to things when we speak, and they've been to all of our conferences. And obviously, Todd and I, <clears throat> excuse me, talk about things at dinner time, and they watch our, how we live and how we talk with friends. So they, like Todd said, they, we role model everything. But we had a realization that we do a lot of teaching outside of the home, and that there are some basic things that we may not have been really clear about with mm-hmm. them. And so we've been a little more like now that they are the age that they are let's really talk about, and not for long periods of time, we're not being like big lecturers, we're just doing small chunks. But, you know, what is connection? What is our parenting? You know, what is our hopes with parenting? What is connection? You know, these things that we could really easily take for granted because well, we talked about shared, them. We
0: shared some of our own examples today when we were talking to them. You told a story about your mom with the stop sign, yes, which is pretty good. So uh, we don't have to get in the specifics of your story or my story where I, about how I grew up and the parents that I had and how they treated each other. It's not about that. It's instead of us like teaching and saying this is the way you need to be, instead we're using our own examples of things that we learned from our childhood. And I think that makes it a lot less boring for our kids.
1: Yes. And and that we that's it's such a good point, Todd, because I think storytelling is a lot, especially when they know the people we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of being like, Oh, I have this random friend being like, Oh, this person or you know, we share our stories and our our uh, challenges that we had or you know, poor choices that we made, um, and also what we perceive to be successes. But in my first book, I wrote about the story that Todd just mentioned about being 16. But I told the girls that when I was really young, I really believed that everything w- was working in my favor, like every kid does. You know, every kid thinks they're the center of the world. <clears throat> Sorry, everybody. I still have a cough that comes and goes. Um, but then, there was a period of time, probably middle school years, where you realize that everybody else is watching or you feel like they are. And I kind of lost that understanding. And I, one day when I was 16, got a speeding ticket and I came home crying, feeling like a victim, feeling like, you know, unfair. This is unfair. And my mom just said really low key in a really low key way. Well, maybe that police officer pulled you over and um, that kept you from getting in an accident later on down the road. Maybe he helped you instead of hurt you. And I was like, interesting. Mm -hmm. It was almost like.
0: You had a light bulb moment.
1: I had like a huge shift where, but it wasn't like new information. It was like resonant information. Well,
0: you reframed it.
1: Yes, I was like, this is really interesting. So I kind of told the girls that, you know, I explained that story how, you know, things can like shift in, shift in an instant. So, when
0: nothing changed at all.
1: Exactly, if the same thing happened. It's, And that's the thing is like, I got the ticket. It's not about not getting a ticket. I had to pay it, my insurance changed, blah, blah, blah. I was 16, so it's a pain in the butt to get a ticket at that age. But then how are you going to view it? And, you know, it's like at that point, I have two choices, either poor me or maybe this was helpful in the long run. Interesting. And and I use the word interesting because there's no period at the end of it because I really don't know. Mm-hmm. But you live in the mystery of it.
0: Yeah. Um, OK, good.
1: Um. So what I wanted to say about what Parker had to say, Parker Palmer, because that's where we were starting, is what does this mean? To have this kind of hope. And what, and, and it's interesting because I picked up right before I came downstairs, Tati, I picked up the Oprah magazine and I always read the last page first because it's what I know for sure. Mm. You know, she always does a what I know for mm. sure. And she actually wrote something about hope. She was talking about going to the royal wedding because she was invited. And she said um, in the second to last paragraph, she said, it gave us hope that wedding, hope that we can all do what Mara Gay described in her New York Times opinion piece as imagining the day when we wake up and remember who we want to be. Hmm. We all want to feel as radiant, joyful, and as alive as Megan looked on her way down the aisle to meet Harry. Um, So I love that quote. Let me say that again. Imagining the day when we wake up and remember who we want to be. And that is one thing. If I was going to talk about the gifts of the last year and a half of this administration that I've been so challenged by, Mm -hmm. is that it has become so crystal clear to me what I believe in and what I think is okay and what I think isn't okay. And I've become so much more willing to say, I will not be indifferent That, no, this is simply not okay. And it has nothing... It's really not even about... It's not political to me anymore. You either care about people and you take care of people and you do your best for people. You're not going to have perfection. But you're going to do... You're going to work toward helping people Mm -hmm. with the intention of helping people or you are withdrawing from people and you're saying, I don't care about you, I don't care about you, but I only care about you. Or I don't care about people, I care about money. Or I don't care about communities, I care about business. Mm -hmm. Like it's becoming so clear to me. I've always known, but I think I always gave everyone the benefit of the doubt.
0: Right, and you have used this or we have used this um, administration that you say we are so challenged by which we are. It's really been a, a moment where we've had to look in the mirror and say, are we going to stand up or not? Yeah. Are we going to go to this rally? Are we going to speak our truth? And if somebody else would have won, we probably wouldn't have to have had made that decision.
1: And you know, that's what has been happening every time I read the news and I get disappointed or I wake up and I realize I have to do a little more extra legwork, not only on myself, but on the way I perceive the world, putting myself in other people's shoes, um, participating in things maybe i wouldn't have participated in before speaking up when maybe i would have been more quiet i am imagining i'm you know as she said i am actually not just imagining i'm experiencing the day when i re- when i wake up and remember who i want to be Personally and as a community. Yeah. Like, I, I, I've I, been saying to my women's circle for years, like, you know, the last seven, eight years, as long as we've been together, that I really do believe our generation, the 30s, 40s, 50s, you know, generate the, those of us who are in our 30s and 40s and 50s, we came here for a reason. You know, we were born into this time for a reason. We are adults now with children for a reason. I think we're bridge builders. I think we are part of the change. And, of course, the kids that, you know, the parkland kids and all the other kids i'm calling them kids they're adults but you know what i mean yeah. they're they're so much younger than us they're so vocal and the millennials are amazing so it's not just us i'm not saying we're the ones but i'm saying we are in a certain place that we're in at a certain time for a certain reason yeah and i really believe we're bridge builders and so maybe it all you know my hope the way i look through this with hope is maybe something's dying so something can be reborn. Yeah, And I just, my only heartbreaking part is the people that get hurt along the way. Yeah, So that's where I'm challenged. That's where I have a hard time being too like philosophical. Because, because the reality is yes. people
0: are getting harmed. Exactly. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> so with that said, that's kind of the beginnings. Todd and I, you know, going back to uh, Hannah Gadsby's... Um, comedy is I think she is an example of who is doing she's she's doing something hopeful yeah um and her her comedy special it's actually called Nanette but she only speaks of Nanette at the very beginning do you remember what she says no she says i met a woman named nanette and she was so interesting i thought that i would dedicate a whole comedy special to her and she didn't end up being that interesting yeah so that was it, it that's funny in itself like yeah. she named the comedy special nanette and she doesn't even speak to that but basically what she does through, you know, she, she shares some comedy at the beginning, like Todd said, and I thought it was funny, but it's not like it's out of the yeah, world. Yeah, not
0: my top 10 favorite comedians.
1: Yeah. And then she starts to go into describing- How she's going
0: to quit comedy.
1: Correct. She's like, I can't do comedy anymore because she has been forced to be self-depreciating.
0: In order to be successful, quote unquote.
1: And in order to be in a room and to be in front of people- Because she, we haven't shared this part. Obviously, she's a woman, but she's also a lesbian woman. Mm -hmm. And she, because of those things, being a minority in both of those areas, she has had to be self-depreciating to make herself palatable to everybody. Mm -hmm. Because then she builds the tension and then, you know, through her comedy and then kind of knocks it down so everybody can feel comfortable and laugh. And she says throughout the... um, the, you know, her special. comedy routine, yeah, the special. I'm not going to do that anymore. Yeah. So Todd is going to play a part from yeah. her comedy special that we, Netflix, released to this. Yeah, so it's on
0: Netflix. You can find <clears throat> it, you know, if you have Netflix. And this is uh, about 60 seconds from her comedy special. But this is, the second half is very serious. It's not laughable. It's right. not, you're not trying to see the humor in it. I mean, there's a few little parts that are funny. But other than, it, I feel like she's in a TED Talk.
1: Oh my gosh, it's so powerful. You know what I mean?
0: Yes. So anyways, here we go.
2: We think reputation is more important than anything else, including humanity. And do you know who takes the mantle of this myopic adulation of reputation? Celebrities and comedians are not immune. They're all cut from the same cloth. Donald Trump, Pablo Picasso, Harvey Weinstein, Bill Cosby, Woody Allen, Roman Polanski, these men are not exceptions, they are the rule. And they're not individuals, they are our stories. And the moral of our story is we don't give a sh**. We don't give a fuck about women or children. We only care about a man's reputation. What about his humanity? These men control our stories. And yet they have a diminishing connection to their own humanity. And we don't seem to mind so long as they get to hold on to their precious reputation. Reputation. Hindsight is a gift. Stop wasting my time. If you (laughs) look, I am angry.
0: All right.
1: So. When I said before that, that Netflix released this, <clears throat> what I mean is that one-minute clip is like a commercial that Netflix runs now. Yeah. So we're not giving – I because there's so much richness in it. I don't want to give away yeah. all of what she has to say. But that was a clip that was on the Netflix um, sure, Facebook commercial feed. Commercial, whatever. Mm-hmm. So – before she launches into that, just to give you guys some like context, she's basically talking about how these men have treated other people. And she gives us some insight into, I didn't know a lot of the things about uh, Pablo Picasso, some of his history. She She's an art history major. Yeah. That's what she went to school for. So she has a lot of good historical um, information that was really interesting. Yeah. and And she just talks about how you know, as a society, like she didn't say Bill Cosby, but we get so upset about these men, and they're not always men, but the majority of the time, about them losing their reputations, and we forget about what they're doing to people. And then why are we focusing, and again, she's got, there's so many more reasons why she's saying this, because she uses her own stories, but she's using this to say, why, why, why do we care so much about them holding on to their reputations and in spite of other people. Yeah. So I'm, I'm doing so much talking and you're just looking at me. I
0: know. Um, <coughs> I was just looking at what we might do after this, but that's okay. Oh, did you want me to keep talking? Um, I don't have anything. Okay. I mean, you
1: don't have anything to say about this special? What you I said mean, to it me? It was, it was,
0: it was incredible. And it was, and it, she, It's funny because, you know, I've had these conversations with other guys about toxic masculinity and um, what's the other, what's the other word, white male privilege. Mm -hmm. And it all fits together. And I even asked our guest Jason Gattis this last week when we talked to him because I respect his opinion and he understands what the mature masculine looks like. And I know that there's probably going to be even some of our listeners that watch this probably guys and get defensive about it and i'm having a hard time to- like i am in agreement that that the the structure that is set up is broken in regards to women and minorities and even like these awesome men who i respect get really defensive about it and i'm I'm having a hard time connecting with them. So I feel like I have some work to do on this. Well, it's kind
1: of like what you and Jason talked about last week. You can recognize a patriarchy and recognize that there are white men who have caused issues and realize that you are also a white man, but realize that you are actually trying to make, and I'm not talking about you, Todd, but you as a person are trying to do something different. But you can understand why people may look at you and judge you, or I don't even know if they judge you, they assume that you have certain perspective, sure. or because a lot of people who look like you marched at Char- or was it Charlottesville, we always mm-hmm. get it wrong, yeah. and they sure looked a lot like you. Right. That doesn't mean you are marching there, but you can understand why people throw everyone in a box or why there's this feeling of toxic masculinity is, it, it, I don't think it is growing. I think people are just showing up in it.
0: Do you know what I mean? Well, and I don't know if this makes sense, but um, I was walking in our neighborhood, which is this, whatever, nice suburb of Chicago. And I forget what I was doing, but I had my hoodie on. Uh And then I was, oh, and I had my sunglasses on. Yeah. And I was walking and there was a woman walking towards me and she crossed the street. Yes. And I'm like, wow, that was weird. I wonder why she crossed the street. And then I realized it's because I had a, a hoodie on and sunglasses on. And I probably did not look like a very welcoming, even though I was just, you
1: probably had your pot, your ear pods in and you didn't have a smile on your face. Right. Yeah.
0: And you know, somebody might be like, well, why'd she walk across the street? You didn't do anything or why would, and my, it's my, let's just assume for a second, she got on the other side of the street because she felt less safe. Okay. Okay. Um, You know, I know there's some people out there would be like, "Well, there's no reason for her to be because you didn't do anything." And I'm like, I am part of this system, Mm -hmm. whether or not I deliberately participate in it, or if I don't, I'm by definition um, a white male.
1: And can't and the the question is not, do you get mad at her for feeling that way? The question is, do you understand? Because as soon as you understand. Then she can hear you too. This is a thing, you know. Again, I'm, I keep bringing up our interview with Jason and Ellen because we already talked about this. But Jason was saying the only time that I have a hard time with the whole toxic masculinity thing if someone, if then when someone meets me, they're unwilling to mm, get to know me right. and recognize that I'm different. Um, that is important. But first things first. Can we? Who can we first listen to, okay, this is I can do this better using Hannah. I don't want to give away too much about her special because I want you to go in and and get the full feeling that we got. <clears throat> but she had an experience or experiences with men that were pretty significant, right? A little challenging and yep. unfair and yep. unsafe. And and so she actually has a point where she says, you know, I don't hate men. But I am scared of men yeah. because men have hurt me. Yeah. So I have to be more thoughtful when men are around because of my experience. And if a man says, "Oh well, you're just," that's ridiculous. Don't be, I, so, don't sensitive. be so sensitive. Men hurt her. Yeah. So you can tell her that. But as a man, have you ever been? And maybe you'll say, "Well, yeah, other men kick my ass at yeah. some point." Well then you can understand right a man hurt you too
0: well and for me it's like um i don't know i feel like we sometimes as guys we regress to the what is the minimum model of behavior that i need to display so that i don't get in trouble Mm -hmm. so i don't get in trouble at work so i don't get trouble at home so i don't get in trouble this you know and you can insert all these different examples of that but and the, I, I'm thinking of Mike Domish for a second, who was at our conference last year. And we've had a few interviews with him. He's like, forget about, um, you know, minimums. Like, let's, as guys, go out of our way to make people feel safe, equal, respected, and comfortable. And um, so when I was walking down the street, maybe I could have checked in with myself and, and had taken some awareness, mm-hmm. taking my hood off and taking my shades off. Like I could have done that Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, there's so many different examples from in a work setting to go out of your way to make sure that the people, that the women in in the room are, feel like they're being heard instead of like, you know, just kind of like going with the flow, which isn't a good flow. You notice that a woman gets cut off in a meeting and you speak up, speak up for on her behalf. And so it's just that it's like, forget about the minimum. Like, how can we because I feel like we need to counterbalance the inequalities. And if all we're going to do is just do these minimum things to make sure we don't get in trouble, it's going to take a lot longer for us to get there.
1: And I think the comment I hear the most when we say stuff like that um, is, why should I have to? Yes. Why should why should I have to make this better? Why shouldn't you have to? And I'm talking not just to you men. I'm talking to women. I'm talking to all of us. Why shouldn't we? Wh- who? What makes us think that we get to just coast and do nothing? And everybody else, you know, it's that thing that I get, you know, frustrated about when people point out to the world and they say, the world's messed up. Mm. You know, the world, people out there aren't nice. People out there are bad people. And they may have examples of where this may be true. But my question always is, what are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? inside yourself to find a place of calm. What are you doing in your home with your children, with your spouse, with your friends, with your in-laws? What are you doing? Because what I find personally, but also professionally, is when we are working on our own bubble of life. Yeah. Because we realize how challenging things can be and that we have to be compassionate with ourselves and compassionate with the people we love, we end up then being more compassionate toward everybody else in the world. If you recognize your own pain and you you realize your own challenges and you are vulnerable enough to see how someone can be hurt by you or how you're hurting yourself. Then you look at all humans differently. Mm. You know, I think Deepak Chopra said, I don't remember the the exact quote, but I've known it for like 20 years, is the less you, when you stop judging yourself so harshly, then you start to judge people less harshly. Mm -hmm. But when we're pointing out, we're saying everybody else, not me, you, 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 not me, do your work first. This whole like peace thing is an individual effort really at its core? Right. This is grassroots. So when people are like, "Well, why should I have to do different things at work? Why shouldn't you?" And and that's not. And I'm not even being critical when I say that. I'm really asking it like a philosophical question.
2: Right.
1: What at what point were you told that you didn't have to? Because what I've come to understand is that obviously I have off days <laughs> and off moments, and you know sometimes you know, times when I'm not doing everything I can do. But I really do believe that I am responsible for making the world a better place, not all by myself, not all on my shoulders, but that our job as human beings, we've been given a life, and then now our life is to take care of life, our own, the people around us, our world, each other. And I guess I don't understand. I'm looking for an argument that makes sense to me why we think we wouldn't do that. Yeah. Can you, I mean, like, what do people say when, you know, people will say, well, I shouldn't have to do that. What, what's the, why, why do people think that?
0: <laughs> you ask me this all the time. I know,
1: but I don't get it, Todd. And I'm not even trying to play dumb. I don't, I can't, the reason I ask you because, is because it because it's it's stymies me.
0: It's a vehicle of the ego and they, f- people feel Scared, and they want to protect and they want to make sure that they're taken care of before anybody else is taken care of. And you could talk about whatever, you know, guns or this or that, or whatever big issue is, is happening in the day. People are taking care of themselves first because,
1: which I believe in. Yes. I believe that to do something good in the world, you first have to know yourself, make sure that you are grounded, make sure you can pay your bills. Like, I don't, I'm not like <clears throat> sacrifice, I'm not Mother Teresa, you know, I'm not like give everything away and only take care of the children. Yeah. You got to take care of yourself so you have something to give.
0: Well, and another, you know, popular idea is that if you, um, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of a, an example that is safe to share, but like socialism. You okay. know, let's go all the way. Let's not talk about Democrat or Republican. Let's talk about way left, and you know, you know, healthcare, college, free for everybody. Uh-huh. Well, you're not helping everybody because they need to learn how to work hard. And if you give that for free, then they're not going to understand the value of working hard. Like there's always you, an argument,
1: which you're not saying is no. The case. Of course right. not.
0: I'm trying to be the devil's <sighs> advocate, which is the position that um, you know you you always are like. I, just, I
1: don't get it. I don't get it.
0: And, and I don't get it. I, I don't,
1: I guess I, what I struggle with is, I guess it comes down to the way I view the world because we were just talking about this the other day is that if you understand that the world is a big tree and that we're all leaves on the tree, that we're all interconnected, we're all living on different branches, but we're all interconnected then why would you do
0: harm to a group because of people? Because people don't believe what you just said.
1: How can you not understand that we're all
0: interconnected? Because no, if we do something, there's people out there here, that say it's a dog eat dog world.
1: And where would that come from?
0: Where does it come from? I don't know. Ego? I, I, where does it come it's survival evolution? I don't know.
1: Well, and you know, we've discussed this before, but you know, the whole Darwin thing, mm-hmm. survival of the fittest. Yeah. We know that he said "survival of the fittest" once mm-hmm. in that essay, and talked about love and connection like right. over a hundred times.
0: But, it, but for somebody who subscribes to that that ideology, is not going to remember the forty references to love. Instead, they're only going to remember the natural selection part of
1: it. And that's the thing: is like it survival of serve the fittest. Their story, right?
0: People are going to look for evidence. But doesn't
1: that story suck? Survive like then you're just playing no, king of the No because they're Hill.
0: scared. It's going to make them feel safe.
1: Okay. It'll make them feel safe
0: <laughs> because they want to have control over But they don't. No, but they're going if they feel like they want to keep all of their money and not pay pay any taxes or keep all their guns and all that that's going to make them feel more safe than as if they go the other way. Well,
1: and there's a place in the middle. And that's the thing is I think that survival of the fittest is still a real thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not denying that, nor am I saying you have to give everything up or you can't take care of yourself. It's just, I think it just comes back down to the tree. We're all, and and again, I guess I would, I don't want to debate anybody. Well, plus but,
0: people have been wounded. Like I'm thinking of some good friends that have had some significant wounds from their childhood.
1: Yes, I haven't, I mean, yeah.
0: I'm thinking about some specific men who have had some significant, you know, atrocities happen to them. Right. They were not loved by the people that That were supposed to love them. them. Okay. No, they're not going to think that they're all, everybody's part of the same tree. They think that they're, they're in this body trying to do the best they can in this world walking down the street, but no, they don't feel interconnected at all.
1: So it really feels like survival. Yes.
0: Okay. Yes. Yeah. I don't subscribe to any of that, but I know enough people that do.
1: Well, and I do too. I don't, you know, like I'm not naive. I've been a therapist for however many years. I hear these stories all the time. It's when I, when I say, I really do say to Todd, how can this be? How can someone do this? I probably say that once a day and I'm not really looking for an answer, even though I do love debating it because it helps me kind of process through Um, I guess I just see one viewpoint as painful and the other viewpoint as hopeful. And I guess my question would be, if we have the choice, even after the pain has been done to us, even after we've been challenged and life has thrown a lot of wrenches our way, why or how, maybe not why, because I don't really need someone to answer the question for me. How can we help people choose the hopeful way? The hopeful way is not naive. Pain is still going to come. Hurt's still going to come. Challenges are still going to come. But can we live on the growing edge?
0: Well, and I think we talked about this in a podcast a few months ago. I don't know where we got it from. But um, they've done research on pessimists versus optimists. Yes. And that pessimists are actually more uh, match up with reality. Like they're usually um, more accurate on... The way they perceive the world is more accurate than what a blind optimist is. But the difference between pessimism and optimism is pessimism sees the world for what it is.
1: And accepts it that way.
0: And accepts it that way. And optimist sees the world for what it can be.
1: Which is going back to the Oprah quote. they
0: are the change makers.
1: They're the change makers going back to this. it's actually not Oprah's quote, it's Mara Gay's from the New York Times, but she shares it. Imagining the day when we wake up and remember who we want to be. Optimists aren't pie-in-the-sky Pollyanna people. Even though
0: pessimists will frame us that way. Of
1: course, and optimism is not every second of the day. I definitely have times where I'm like, screw this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I don't wanna do this right now. Yeah. I don't, feel, you know, one thing I've said on Team Zen a lot is I don't feel like learning today. I don't feel like doing that today. And I have to give myself a break because mm. optimism is really a choice yeah. in every situation, right? But I wanna live on the growing edge of what's possible because that's less painful to me and more realistic to yeah. me. I know you're saying pessimism is realistic, but what I know from evolving and what I know from history is that things grow and change things die and they're born. And right now there's something dying and it's, and it's painful and yucky to watch, but we're moving into a new time. Mm. And I, and so.
0: Well, remember Ianla, she said something about, you know, that there's, you know, turn on the news. There's some crazy stuff happening out there. Mm-hmm. And she said something like, "That's the the scab that's oozing right now."
1: Ianla Van Zant, exactly. My women's circle get grossed out when I share this because I'm always like, "It's the oozing pus." Oh, have you shared that with oh, them? Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, you know, when you've got a wound yeah. that needs to be healed, before it can heal, there's some pus that oozes out, yeah. and we got we got some pus. Yeah. that's happening, and so which is so gross, but it's it really can feel that way sometimes. It's painful, and it's like, how are we going to perceive? That pus.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we we'll just we just got the title of the podcast. How are we going to perceive that pus?
1: Like, is it that we're ge- we're healing, or is it? Oh my gosh, it's infected.
0: Well, and that's that's a reframe because some people be like the world is going to hell in a handbag, right? And other people are like, well, there's a group of people in this world that are really really scared, and they're going to do anything they can do to maintain control. Uh-huh. So this is kind of their dying last mm-hmm. gasp. Mm-hmm until Mm -hmm. something changes
1: or there's just groups of people who are saying that they are willing to wake up and remember who they want to be and that sometimes you don't see that until someone is starting to take it away
0: yeah yeah
1: and then you realize oh i need to speak up and and again you know we're always todd and i are always vacillating between the micro and the macro like Obviously, we're talking about the world and, you know, government, but we're also talking about in your own home. We're also talking about in the relationship with your spouse. We're talking about how you're treating your children.
0: Well, and we had in, uh, in our Zen talk a week ago Friday, I think there's some a woman that either wrote in or maybe she asked a question about... Um, I'm worried that the environment yes. is going to hell in a handbag, right. whether it be about the ice caps melting or that we're no longer part of the Paris Agreement or whatever. And I feel helpless Yeah, and hopeless. Mm-hmm. And one thing I suggested to her was grab a garbage bag walk down the street and pick up the trash. Is that going to stop the ice caps from melting? No. But there is something beneficial. There's a ripple effect that happens if you do something Mm -hmm. as opposed to just sit in your... Despair. Despair. So, well, yes.
1: and that's what I mean by grassroots effort. That's what I mean about when people are like, why should I have to do it? Well, who's going to do it? Yeah. And, and when I say do it, and I'm putting that in quotes, whatever it is that you feel needs to be done. Yeah. You don't need to talk everybody into doing environmental things. You do it. Yeah. You don't need to talk everyone into being in your organization. You do it. Because when you start it, people will come your way. Mm-hmm. They may not be the people you initially expected, you know, but people will, people are drawn towards certain things. That's... Again, I know not everyone believes this, but I believe we all come in yeah. with something that is kind of ours. We believe in it, we get it, we understand it. Yeah. And we we move toward that. It's also it's almost like a magnet. So you start it yeah. or you join it. It doesn't matter if you're creating it or or joining it. it. It doesn't make any difference. It's just as long as you're doing something and instead of saying, Why should I have to, you say, wow i get to yeah. this is what do they say what is that quote this is the rent we pay to live on this earth mm, yeah. you know this is this is why we're here to take care of ourselves each other and the world so this is the growing edge this is where we are this is what hope is and you know some days this is really easy to embrace and it almost makes you go wow and some days it's like oh this is exhausting it's and bold. if you feel that way yes and yes Um, you know, it's, and both, and, and that is the way of human beings. Um, but I feel like it's worth the effort. Um, it's why I meditate, it's why I journal, it's why I do yoga. I got to stay connected to these things because our minds, if we just leave ourselves to our minds, our minds are always going to look for
0: problems. That's right. That's what we're built.
1: That's how we're built to survive. Right. You know, going back to the survival thing. But at the same time, we're not just our minds, we're our hearts and our spirits too. So our minds are just a piece of the puzzle. And if we live from our heart if we live from our spirit, we recognize that there are things we came here to do and that we can love each other and help each other. And that's the growing edge. So that's all I have to
0: say about that. Um, Team Zen, it's a community of support. Um, We have about 90 people that are in it. Um, We do two Zen talks a month. Uh, We have 35 or something archive Zen talks where people get on, ask questions to Kathy and I and we answer and then other people actually uh, throw their two cents in. Uh, There's a Team Zen Facebook page where members can post questions and, as well as give support advice to others. Um, and then we have everything uh, in our Zen store is discounted for members. So if you're interested, uh, go to our webpage, ZenParentingRadio.com, and click on Team Zen to learn more. We would love to have you a part of it. We actually have a Zen talk this Friday. Nice. In our last talk, uh, a few of the questions that we answered were, is my kid better off in daycare or should we keep him at home? Uh, the next question was, what's the difference between empathic distress and empathic concern? I'm glad you answered that one, sweetie, because I didn't know... How to answer that one. Yeah. Uh, and then the other question was, my fifth grade son is hot tempered and doesn't fit into social norms. What do I do? Uh, so that's just a, a, sh- a sampling. That's just a shtickle. A <laughs> shtickle of questions that we got in the last. Uh, and then we got some iTunes reviews. Amy Rose in Kansas City uh, says she gets so many helpful suggestions from Todd and Kathy about marriage and parenting. Weekly dose of Zen parenting keeps me centered and grounded. I send all my friends here when they are struggling. Love from Colorado. And then we also got one from Kennedy Company from United States. uh, And another one from Smart Fox. Smart Fox, sweetie. My name is Todd. Which means Fox. Which means Fox. So it's a Smart Todd. Smart Todd. So thanks for those iTunes reviews. And then lastly... Jeremy Kraft, he has a company called Avid Company, painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. Uh, He's a bald headed beauty and he helps Kathy and I, oh, about once every few months with some household projects. Speaking
1: of things like that, um, you guys, I have something exciting to tell you. I hope you stuck around and you're still listening. Next month is when we announce our speakers for the 2019 conference.
0: That's exciting. Yes. 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 It's very thrilling. Do we but, know when we're going to make this announcement? Um,
1: Mid August. I don't know exactly what day, but we'll figure that out. But right now, the website is being worked on. All the JPEGs are being worked on. Um, and, you know, we're, we'll have a special going for a while. And um, this year is going to be
0: off the hook. Just. It's going to be tough to beat last year. You
1: know what? I don't plan on beating any year. I'm not in competition with other years. I think this year is going to be pretty darn good. Sweetie, but
0: last year we had...
1: I know. If I let them hear what I have to say
0: I can't keep quiet. So that's our friend Milk. She uh spoke at our conference and she performed at our conference. Well, you and it was off the yeah, hook. Yeah, it
1: was crazy. And Cheryl Strayed was there, and she was amazing. And to meet her and be with her My and Mike damage
0: and that was last year. And two years ago it was Rob Bell, Rosalind Wiseman, Ali Smith, amazing. And we also have John Duffy and Annie Burnside uh, every year, expert extraordinary. And then the first year it was Dr.
1: Shafali. I mean, it. We. This is so fun. And like you know, they're they're all. I don't. I'm really being serious when I say I don't try and compete with previous years because you can't because like you never know, like there's always something special every year. But there's something about this year that I feel has some really, there's something strong about it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I do there's a lot of strength in it. I feel very empowered just by who's coming.
0: Yes. We have some strong speakers.
1: Will you do me a favor? And will you, um, so first of all, I want to say, because Melk was here last year or Melk was at our conference last year. She's so great. We just love her. And she's such a, just a great spirit. Follow her on Facebook and on Instagram. Um, but she's becoming rather famous right now. She's got, you know, new songs coming out and she's performing in like all over the world and we're just so proud of her and that song that i can't Qu- keep quiet song which is her first one there's this part where she like she goes up mm-hmm
0: with her voice at the very end and it's just so beautiful at the end of the song
1: yeah and I just was wondering if you could close out the show with it so people could hear it be
0: happy to yeah Um, so that's it Uh, everybody keep trucking and we're gonna uh, close with Milk uh, one of our favorite singer-songwriters slash speakers Um, and my girls are in love with her they talk about her all the time yes so thank you Milk and thanks for everybody out there listening and we'll catch you next time
1: Thanks for listening, everyone. We appreciate you. Remember, you can subscribe to Zen Parenting Radio so you never miss an episode. And feel free to leave a review on iTunes. It helps people find us.
0: Do you want more Zen Parenting? Check out Team Zen. It's a $25 monthly subscription where you'll get two live Zen Talks with an opportunity to ask Kathy and I questions live. If you can't join us live, you can still access all Zen Talks through the Team Zen Podcast app. You'll have access to all previous Zen Talks Connect with like-minded people through our private Facebook page. We have a book club and get discounts on everything that we have to offer.
1: Interested in inviting us to speak at your conference or organization? Go to ZenParentingRadio.com and submit a speaker request. While you're there, check out our upcoming events or you can purchase one of my three books.
0: Guys, want to achieve a better work-life balance or deepen your relationship with loved ones? I have good news. I coach guys. We can talk in person, by phone, or FaceTime. You choose. First session is free. And, if you're in Chicagoland, contact me about the Tribe. It's an men's group and it's an opportunity for guys to come together and talk about what really matters.
1: If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by going through the Amazon link under Support Us on our homepage. It doesn't cost you a thing, but we get a small commission from Amazon.
0: Finally, I want to give special thanks to our two foundation partners, the Tree of Life Chiropractic Care and Avid Painting and Remodeling. Thank you for your love and support and keep on trucking.